another episode of Notably Niche. I'm Mike and I'm joined once again with my best friend Kat. Hi. And today we are talking about something near and dear to us. The wonderful imaginative world of Dungeons and Dragons. I feel like somebody should take that little snippet and monetize it. Sell it. The way you introduced this. I feel like I want to buy it for our podcast. I feel like, yeah, I feel like I know the perfect person who does that. We have an editor on staff. Uh, you. So. Oh, it is me. <laughs> but no, um, so today's topic is something that I I know we really have enjoyed uh, is Dungeons & Dragons, a tabletop role-playing game that's been, I mean, it's been popular for a long time since like, what, 70s, 80s, but it kind of had like a lull in pop culture. Yeah, the satanic panic. Yes. They, like, they tried to bury it and they couldn't. And they couldn't, and nor should they, because honestly, it is, it is a pop phenomenon that has taken over again and it is something I want to talk about. So how did we get involved in Dungeons and Dragons? Well, funny you should ask because if you do any kind of internet search on either one of us, you will find some very buried videos on YouTube where we talk about how we got into (laughs) D&D. But for the sake of Notably Niche, I will say it again. Well, I we got into it because my husband played D&D with some other friends and I would make fun of him all the time for playing. And then we were joking about it for a long time and then the joke became real. We're like, wait, we're really going to do this, right? Because I'm going to be heartbroken if we don't actually get to play D&D. Yeah, and then we spent like seven hours building our first characters and then didn't even get to play. Which, honestly, that was not painful for me. I no, remember it was perfect. When you told me, uh, you were like, hey, we're going to play this game. It's it's Dungeons and Dragons. And you even said it like under your breath. I was like, breath. it's so lame. Yeah. No, we're going to be, we're going to do the stupidest thing, guys. I, <laughs> like inside my heart was doing backflips because I've never played. I had no idea really what it was, but I was like, of course I want to play a game. I love playing games and I love mm-hmm. social interaction with people. So I was like, yeah, let's do this. But when we sat down and I had to open up like a compendium, like a novel. An encyclopedia. It was the Britannica, like the full A through Z Britannica of all these like character stats, rules, numbers. And I was in heaven because it was history and math and fantasy all in one. (laughs) And that's everything that I love. See, and I liked the part of it that was more like the anthropological side of it, of like, like, this group of people does this kind of thing and has this kind of history and you can have this kind of background, which, and then you can also have this part of your personality. That's the part that I fell in love with. The math didn't mean crap to me. I didn't, I didn't know it. I, I'm pretty sure we can probably look back at my first character sheet and all of that math is probably wrong. All oh, my math wasn't right. There is no way I only had two hit points. So to give a little context, because <laughs> we might have uh, listeners who have never even heard or played, you have to imagine that sometimes groups of strangers who are meeting online 
they have no idea personalities are getting together with one person, uh, a GM uh, or a DM sometimes, depending mm-hmm. on uh, the terminology, who is leading the group. And they're just building a story. It's all improvised storytelling with little simple rules to kind of help you navigate whether things are successes or failures. And when we first started uh, and your husband was kind of running it, I remember uh, our stories were real, like, playful and mm-hmm. and silly. And it just felt like I can, I can do whatever I want. And having that permission, it was so freeing as a person. Uh, and I'll even say, because uh, I'm going to tie this a lot uh, to my identity, uh, just because it's the viewpoint that I have. But as a queer person, I was like, I don't have to ask permission. I can just do things. Mm-hmm. That was so free. Yeah. I loved that part of it too, especially going like through our journey with D&D because that was what, like five years ago now. And now because of how many characters we've built, how many games we've played and every character is a different version of myself. Like just with my exploration with like gender and sexuality, I've been able to like try out different things like, oh, I'm going to try out this thing. I'm going to try out this part of my personality. I'm going to really explore this part of like even my childhood or I feel like I want to deal with this part of my trauma. Like that has been so cool. And I know like it's very it's not cool to say, oh, like D&D is my therapy because it's not. It is not therapy. Just for everyone out there, Dungeons and Dragons is not therapy. It does not take the place of a therapist. But I feel like I've been in a space in my life where I've been able to healthfully explore things from my past using D&D storylines without harming myself, which has been awesome. I, I I'm... I completely agree uh, that I do not see it as therapy at all. What I do kind of have, I consider it is it's almost like a sandbox. Yes. It's, it's things that you've already processed, whether you're in therapy or if you're just kind of doing self-discovery. You take things that you've gone through and you realize, I can use this and play to kind of see if there's another way to to play out this, this characteristic or this trait mm-hmm. or this persona. And sometimes, I'll be honest, I've tried traits where I'm like, you know, I'm struggling with uh, depression of some sort. And I'm going to make this character kind of relate to that. Mm-hmm. And then as I play, I quickly start changing my mind because I'm like, oh, no, no, no. I don't need another place yes. to feel this ick feeling. Mm-hmm. And I've been slowly leaning towards like, I want to try the things that I don't consider myself to be. Mm-hmm. And that in itself is really empowering where I'm like, well, why am I not doing this? Yeah. And I can take that back into therapy and say, okay, I have, I have concerns. Why am I not a good person? (laughs) Because I enjoy (laughs) playing a good person. I, I really like that. And like, just to kind of also, um, make a disclaimer about the way that you and I, or our group play D&D is a little different, I feel like, than the way a lot of people play D&D, where it's very roles-based, task-based, this is a problem, you need to fix this problem, Um, and it's really just about defeating a monster or defeating, like, a person or something. We do those things in our games, but we also are very personal in our games. There's a lot of space to role-play, play-pretend as adults, which is not something that we have that opportunity to do 
in other parts of our lives. So one of the one of the things that I've really explored that I wanted to talk about was my relationship with religion with through D&D. So uh, for those for those of you that don't know, there is a class in D&D called a cleric that is very it's very dependent on their religion or their relationship with their God. And for people who don't know me very, very well, I went through a very, I don't want to say serious, but a very distinct deconstruction of religion where I can almost see it as before religion and after religion, where I believed in one thing very, very strongly. I started to really pick it apart. And then after that, I really had lost almost all of that belief. So what I use this character to do is replace it with the possibility of another God. So it would it was almost like, what if I had found something else after I deconstructed? And that was really cool for me to really dive into, create prayers and like really kind of dive back into that feeling of having a deity but using it like through a character. And it was such a comfort. And I also feel like it allowed me to have more compassion for people who do still have that relationship with any kind of deity. So that is one way that D&D has really helped me heal. I love that. Uh, can I, I'm going to give you one from me. Uh, mine is a little bit <laughs> more <laughs> aggressive. So I consider myself, uh, I'm a realist and I'm a pacifist, but... I'm only a pacifist in I know that doing something harmful to another person really is not going to do anything in the grand scheme of things to benefit anybody. So I kind of just go, it's not worth my time. Mm. But that said, I am petty. (laughs) I am a petty, aggressive, anger-filled, rage-induced individual, and I am aware of it. But I know how to control it and hold it back in real life. In this game, I don't have to. And there are times that I just want to let the rage flow. And I enjoy when I have those moments of, it's a safe place. And Mm -hmm. sometimes I honestly, (laughs) I'll get really into character and I'll I'll be going into a monologue or saying something and interacting with somebody. And when we get finished and we take a break, I'm like, I need to go check on that person. Yeah. Because I think I might have really scared them or they might think I'm really mad at them. (laughs) But inside, I'm like fully relieved that I finally have an outlet Mm -hmm. for that. It's almost like um, it's a replacement behavior. Like when you're very angry, instead of punching a person, you're punching a punching bag. Or instead of throwing actual breakable things, you're throwing like small, soft, little snowballs. Like it's a replacement behavior. (laughs) Instead of lashing out on real people, you get to lash out on fictional characters. And the world is lucky for that. Very lucky. I am lucky for that. I'm going to make a shirt that says, thank D&D. And then it's just going to be like me, like, (laughs) popping my knuckles, aggressively looking like I'm going to start a fight. (laughs) D&D made me kind. D&D saved your life. (laughs) But really, I feel like I'm not going to go as far as to say that D&D has saved my life. But I think it definitely has given, like, us as a friend group an outlet and... I don't know, for lack of a better word, like has given us a schedule, a routine, like a place to come together on a regular basis and really commit time to each other, which has been so nice. You know what is the most unsettling thing in my adulthood is not having a schedule. Yeah. 
like I, f- I forgot how much I loved. I was a school kid who uh, everyone's was a school kid, hopefully. But I, I loved going to school because of the structure. And I, as someone in education, I know how impactful that is to have a set structure. Mm-hmm. But whenever D and D night is canceled or postponed, I don't know what to do with my hands when that happens. I'm sitting at home, just like not knowing what to do. There are times that I'll go sit in in the living room and sit next to my husband, and he'll just immediately go. Oh, did something happen? And I'm like, I don't like, I don't want to talk about it because <laughs> it's like my dog died. I'm like, well, there goes, there goes my month. Yeah. Not, but it is, it's something that's reassuring that it's, when it's there, I look forward to it. Mm-hmm. Like for weeks I'm thinking about it. It's, it's a day closer. Yeah. It's a day closer. It's Christmas. Mm-hmm. And I, I really do wake up feeling that way when I'm like, it's today. Tonight, and you guys, yes. oh, and you guys always get the text every, every time it's today. <laughs> I, it, it honestly, it's something as an adult that I look forward to. Yeah, and there's not that many things that we look forward to. We should probably branch out and find. Yeah, more we hobbies. Should, we need to find more hobbies. To do. Yeah, do you have hobbies for us? If you have hobbies, call in. The, you know what? I feel like we might have some hobbies that we can check in on if we go oh, back yeah. to our previous episode. <laughs> we should probably get back on those. Yeah. So you had mentioned before about uh, talking about like as a child or like child like playing pretend. Mm-hmm. As a child, let's go back to Little Cat. Were you a pretend player? Like, how how in-depth was your imagination as a kid? So, I never played with Barbies or dolls or anything like that. But when I found a movie I really liked or a story I really liked, me and my brother would act it out. I have a very vivid memory of us watching The Patriot and then... <laughs> And then reenacting it at my at our grandparents' ranch. Who was who? Who was who? I was Mel Gibson. Did you do the Mel Gibson run? Of course, yeah. with the with the <laughs> with, with the, the hatchet, axe. <laughs> with the hatchet. Yeah, with. Uh. And then we also did the um, aim small, miss small, with the little with little pretend guns that were just little sticks. Yeah, we made shields. We made like w- they didn't have swords, but we made swords. We were not very, like, in tune with, like, the actual <laughs> Historical weaponry. accuracy. <laughs> no, we were just excited to be pretend fighting. It's like, why is there a tank on yeah. the back? <laughs> yeah. So, things like that, we would play a lot of, um, I mean, on like, now that I think about it, we were LARPing. Okay. Like, we would play, cap- like, it wasn't even Capture the Flag. I'm going to say this, and you're probably going to look at me like I'm crazy, we would call it war. We're playing war. Oh yeah, that's like, like that was in Boy Scouts. It was we're gonna play a game of war. Yeah. So we would divide the neighborhood kids into two teams, and we would create traps, like physical hardware traps in alleyways and people's backyards. They would include rusty nails coming out of a board. It was bad, Michael. The nineties were great. <laughs> before the internet that was this it was war danger was the hard drug in the 90s it was what can get you so close to death as a kid it was that tetanus so whenever i grew up i so i uh currently in our group i have the main role as our gm uh who kind of runs the game but i've always been like i want to get away from that i want to get away from that in all honesty i don't want to get away from that because the more i look back as a kid, I was already running things as a kid. Yeah, I can totally see that. I... You were the neighborhood watch. <laughs> I was the vivid... 
<laughs> yep, I was the one patrolling the streets. But no, I remember vividly going over to a friend's house for a little play date, and we would play uh, on the Super Nintendo. We'd play Mega Man X, and then after playing it for however many hours, we'd be like, "Oh, we're tired of playing it. Now let's act it out." <laughs> but it was like, "You're this person. I'm this person, and we cannot deviate from the script. This is how the game works." Mm-hmm. And so I would like script out what people are gonna do. Power Rangers, you're the Yellow Ranger, do not argue with me, I'm the Red Ranger, dude, and this is what we're going to say, you can't get off script, have your lines memorized, action. And if we didn't finish, the next day at recess, we'll pick up here. Everybody take five. Thank you, five. <laughs> okay, I did the same thing, but it was the Lion King. <laughs> <laughs> One or two? One. Oh. <laughs> like kinder oh yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the lion king yeah okay, interesting. i was like i'm gonna be simba you're gonna be nala it should have explored things back then oh yeah Ooh. <laughs> but yeah no oh my gosh that is so funny i that was a memory that was locked away the lion king we're gonna come back to that one i feel like uh disney had a hold an, on you it was an obsession it was right along the line of like obsession with dolphins like it was an obsession the Lion King. Not being myself was an obsession, which is a whole nother conversation oh we God. can have about. Any, Open the Pandora's box. Anything <laughs> not to have to be myself. Yeah. That, like, for you, I can't say, but I would imagine what books are for you mm-hmm. is what, uh, like, play, like, like imagine yeah. play with other kids was for me, even by myself. Yeah. I was that kid who could completely dissociate and not know I was dissociating as a kid. Mm-hmm. I would just go into my own world, play, have a great time, and then come out of it the next day thinking, well, that's normal. But then being like, oh, I'm so bored and lonely because it was so different to be in my own body. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I'm now realizing where my body dysmorphia came from <laughs> or where it's it. Because you were always pretending to be other people. Yeah. So when you would like look in the mirror... It wasn't who you were pretending to be. Okay, but here's the thing. I kind of like it. Yeah. And like, I, not not the body dysmorphia part. That that part I, I cannot stand. But just the idea of like, I really love it whenever I can lose myself as somebody else. Mm-hmm. Now, here's the question I have for you uh, to kind of wrap this one up. Do you hold on to your characters after we've finished with them? Yes. Because how many characters have you played, uh, roughly? Oh my gosh. Um... Like, played seriously, probably, like, 8 to 10. That's still a fair amount. Yeah. Uh, I mean, mm-hmm. because we actually tried to play them. We, yes. had, we had toss-away characters, but characters that you're like, yes. I want to invest mm-hmm. in this and make them well-rounded. Oh, I guess, I forgot where I was going with this. Uh, whenever we finish playing, there's some that, I, I think of Baba, your first character still that have I, Baba. I ran with you. Do you ever feel like you hold on to that in your own cat personality, where you're like, I that, like something that resonates. You're like that was a Baba moment. That felt very much like yes, this character. Absolutely. So, just for context, m- my first full campaign character I ever played was named Baba Ganoush. The name was a joke, but I'm I loved that character so much. There are two things that I take from from her that I think about all the time. The wanting so badly to be to have like pretty things or to have things that I think are pretty and the wanting so badly to be smart. Those are the two things that I put into Baba, not really knowing 
that is like the core of like what I feel is like wanting so badly to be smart and wanting so badly to feel like myself, like outwardly. My character that comes to mind, it was not my first one. Uh, I loved my first character, but that's a whole nother story. <laughs> uh, my my main character that really sat with me uh, was, I had a, a tiefling, which is like a demonic kind of hybrid uh, individual, but uh, named Debauchery. And I loved how much people hated Debauchery. Because Debauchery was this character who could do anything and had no qualms about pissing somebody off and that's so far from my mentality because like I, I'm a people pleaser I love whenever people feel safe around me and I try to make every choice so that they will never kind of leave and go mm-hmm. away and this is one moment where I was like I'm just doing whatever I want saying what I want and I remember uh, playing with with y'all and y'all got to meet him in our com- campaign but I also got to play on an online game and I was wrecking everything they wanted to do. And part of me was like, oh, I don't want to mess up their game. But also part of me was like, no, I am their game now. This yeah. is happening. And I that, that one is set with me because every now and then if I feel like I'm getting run over by people at work or, mm-hmm. or in friend groups, I kind of lean into that. I'm like, well, what would debauchery do in this moment? You if, should make yourself a little bracelet. W- <laughs> <laughs> what would de- what debauchery do? Yeah. WWDD. Yep. <laughs> I, you know what? I like it. I like it. All right. So if you've never played and you're kind of listening to us and you're like, hey, this would be interesting, uh, by all means, check it out. Find a friend group. That is the hardest thing. That is the hardest part. Is finding people who just want to give it a try and then finding a place and a time that works for, for everybody. For everybody who has a job because mm-hmm. capitalism is messing up everything. It is. But, but 10 out of 10 would recommend. Highly would recommend. It's a blast. Have fun with it. There's no right or wrong way to play. You just got to play. Yes. Yeah. All right. You want to knock out some more of these questions? Uh, yes. All right. So <laughs> uh, we're wrapping up. We're getting to the end of these 36 uh, New York Times questions to help you fall in love. I never get that title right, by the way. You know what? It's, it's different 30, every time. It's 36 it's questions. So we're going to do two today. Uh, that way we can have them last just a little bit longer. Mm-hmm. You want to go first? Yeah, let me go first. What roles do love and affection play in your life? I have no love. I have no affection. You are the biggest liar. (laughs) Love and affection for me. Uh, Okay, I'm going to start this off with a different question. What is love? Like, are we talking physical love? Are we talking appreciation? I think it's whatever you interpret as love. because So our answers might be vastly different because of the different ways we interpret love and affection. So okay. not infection, affection. Affection. Yes. Yeah, let's be very clear. <laughs> yes, not infection. Don't do love and infection. Okay. I can I can probably start this off easier with what I don't see love as. Okay. Love is not transactional for me. No. If I'm trying to balance out a skill, that's my big flag that this is not love. Mm-hmm. This is service. And service is not always love. You can be in service to another person and it completely could be one-sided manipulation, whether they're aware of it or not, or whether you're aware of it or not. There's times that I realize, oh, I am not doing well with this person. I am purely Mm -hmm. in a manipulative state and I got to get out of this. I've got to try a different route. For me, uh, I'm not a love language person. 
whenever I hear people come in and they're like, my love language is, is uh, words of affirmation. I'm like, that's great. That's wonderful. If it brings something to you, I don't fix myself to, I am just this, or I fall in this category. What I do realize is for me, I do not like small talk. If I feel like the conversation doesn't have a point and you're just trying to fill in space to say you're spending time with me, it turns me off more of the relationship where I'm just like, I don't want that. Mm -hmm. Especially if it's just responses like, oh, okay, sure. And like, if you can't, yeah, if you can't contribute and have a follow up, Mm -hmm. I don't, it's not, it's transactional again. Mm -hmm. What I do admire uh, I love whenever someone surprises me. So I actually, uh, my husband, I just started a new job and it's been rough because the, the building that we're working on, it, like it was putting bricks on the school the day before yeah. we, we started. <laughs> it was real scary. I was like, this is not going to happen. But we got in, everything was great. But on that first day, uh, my old team actually sent me a box of crumble cookies. Oh, that's so sweet. So I had a, yeah, I had this surprise and I was like, oh, that's really nice. I'll have cookies. I love me some cookies. But I wasn't expecting it. Mm-hmm. That lit up my morning. Yeah. Followed by, uh, I got a delivery of flowers from my husband. And I have been talking since we first met about how I love getting flowers. Mm-hmm. And I never get flowers. And it stems from uh, when we were in <laughs> the, uh, the College of Music. All of the recitals... The girls would get flowers. And I was like, am I going to get flowers when I do my recital? And I didn't get them. And I was like, Oof. well, it felt so weird. And I yeah. was like, I just really want something that like, that. there's something about flowers. I was like, I really want them. Mm-hmm. And so when they showed up, I was like, I got cookies and I got flowers today. I don't care how this day went. The school could have just <laughs> completely gone up. I was, I was happy. So anything that is a surprise Mm -hmm. is how I feel love. Okay. Um, Let me ask you this. Are love and affection different for you? Like, are they, do they mean different things to you? Uh, Kind of. Uh, For me, affection is more physical. Okay. Uh, At least that's where my brain goes. It's not that that is what it is. Mm -hmm. I see I'm affectionate with other people. I'm probably closer in proximity. It doesn't mean that I'm making out with them or yeah, that yeah, we're yeah. involved. It's just, like, I, I feel honestly with you, I feel mm-hmm. affectionate. I yeah. Can, if we're sitting in a room and there's a love seat, I would be perfectly fine being snuggled up with you oh, under yeah, a blanket. for sure. We can be affectionate. Mm-hmm. But I love a broad spectrum of people. Mm-hmm. Affection, to me, has a little more strength. Okay. Than love does. Love is kind of the blanket term and affection is the, uh, it's almost... Like, I'm putting more effort into affection. Okay. Like, to... We can be in love. Yeah. But just because we're in love does not mean that we're fulfilled. The affection is what fulfills it. Okay. I like that distinction. The affection is what fulfills the love. Because for me, love and affection are two very different things. And the roles they play in my life, like, fill me in different ways. So, for example... I feel love through routine, knowing that there's safety, that there's like, uh, like stability that to me feels like love. Whereas affection is more the spontaneity. It's not so much like, like, uh, physicality. It's more like you said, surprises, like 
spontaneity. Let's do something different. I'm going to show you that I've been paying attention by doing something outside of our routine. It's love and. Just like you were saying with like the, the physicality, for me, affection is anything outside of the routine, extra. How do you feel whenever somebody comes back like, months after you said something oh my gosh and the smallest minute detail gets brought up and then they bring it back in a meaningful way and you're like i threw that as a side note Mm -hmm. and you fully captured it oh yeah it's it blows my mind like i pay attention to a lot of things but i feel like i don't store information that way so when people show me that they're paying attention to me it makes me feel super loved. Like it really, it's that love and, 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 Mm -hmm. and, and. It just is the most incredible feeling. All of that to say though, like I know we were talking about love languages a little while ago. I also am not super into the idea of love languages and using that as a way to navigate relationships. I feel like it can be very detrimental to relationships to say, I'm this and this, you are this and this. I feel like it almost puts boundaries and limits expectations on people's ability to grow and like learn in relationships. So that's, I will say that, but I will also always say, I will say I've always been very uncomfortable with gifts. When I get gifts, I I feel almost like, Indebted. Thank you. Well, and it's not even so much indebted. It might It might be that. Oh. For some people, it definitely is that. But there are other, there are other, other times where I will get great gifts. And the thought that is put into the gift makes me feel so loved and so warm and so seen. But something about the physical thing in front of me makes me feel uncomfortable. And I know that's something I should probably address in therapy because there's no difference between the actual thing and the thought behind it. There shouldn't be. But for some reason, there is. So completely random tangent, but it's kind (laughs) of on... No, uh, I was driving in from work today and every now and then I'll sit in the car in the hot... (laughs) In the hot Texas sun with my engine off just so I can like process out random thoughts that I have before I come into the house. Cause I don't want to bring them into my, my dwelling for a while. I like that. That's healthy. Uh, sure. We'll go with that. Cause it could be like 30 minutes in the hot sun okay, and that's not, not healthy. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, one of the things that I was going with recently was why am I still celebrating Christmas? Like commercial Christmas. And I was like, where did that thought come from? Besides that it is commercialized completely. Mm-hmm. But I was like, the thing about that holiday that I know everybody loves, or not everybody, but a lot of people are like, I love Christmas and it gets me every time. I hate gifts. Yeah. I like getting a gift sometimes, mm-hmm. but there are sometimes, like, especially the pre, like leading up to a birthday or a gift where I've had so many times people are like, well, what do you want? Tell me what you want. It's like, if you I have will... to ask. Exactly. Don't get me anything. Uh, me and Chris would always say uh, our thing is like well we feel bad but if there's something we want we have the means to get it we'll just get it for ourselves Mm -hmm. and then people be like but we want to get you something okay that's great for what purpose 
Yeah. To show love. Because that's not that's transactional again. I don't need mm-hmm. you to get me a gift to show love. Just love me and I'll know. Like, yeah. That's a state of being. It's mm-hmm. not an action. Yeah. Random. Sorry. No, right. I think it was valid. <laughs> Moving on. All right. So our last question today. Uh, we're going to go back and forth on this one. But what is something that you consider a positive characteristic of your partner? And we've brought up our partners a couple of times mm-hmm. throughout these episodes. So what is, let's give some love to the people who, who oh, stand by and put up with shout us. Shout out to my husband who will never listen to this podcast. I love it. Okay. Who's going first? You are. You got this one. My husband is the smartest person I know. He built my computer. His computer. Yes. <laughs> and then gave it to you when he built another computer. Yeah. You know what? I couldn't do that. Yeah. There are some times where I feel like I have such an original philosophical thought and I'll be like well what do you think about this and he's well you know the dichotomy of like and I'm like oh my like how did you open my brain like that like I love those conversations because it just reminds me how fucking smart he is I will never meet anyone smarter than him ever for Chris it's his confidence and it, it cracks me up because when you talk to him, he, he sometimes he'll be like, well, I don't feel that confident. And I'm sure that's, that, I mean, that is valid. It's not that I'm sure. It is valid. However, the way he presents himself, there's not something that I feel would shake him to the point that he couldn't take care of a problem. Mm-hmm. If you want logistics done, that man's going to knock it out in a way that is efficient and also inspiring where you're like, I want to be like that. Every single person uh, that... I know in education sees him as a reckoning, like a powerful force mm-hmm. that cannot be matched. But then you talk to him and he's extremely humble, extremely yeah. giving. And he wants to make sure that other people are taken care of. Mm-hmm. I'm waiting for him to take over and become an administrator of some sort because he grows colleagues and like empowers them in ways that it's an art form. Yeah. To watch it. it. It is something that I don't think a lot of our our higher-ups really know how to do. That's, and yeah. He he makes it, it, it is an art form. It is flawless how much time and dedication he puts into things. Mm-hmm. Does that get in the way sometimes? Absolutely. Because he can get real headstrong driven on something. And it's not going to get out of his mind until it's taken care of. He is a check-the-box solve a problem, move on to the next problem kind mm-hmm. of guy. And as a chaotic gremlin myself, who brings a lot of problems into the relationship, it's really nice to have that because he does, if if something goes wrong, I will shut down mm-hmm. whenever I can't, I can't take in feelings anymore. And he will step up every single time and say, I've got this. Yeah. And I honestly don't know how I'm surviving this long without him. Well, you're not, you have him. Oh, that's what I mean. I'm sorry, sorry. (laughs) I mean, I should be dead. I mean, let's be honest. There's so many times that I should not be here. He honestly has brought me through a lot. So thank you very much for that, babe. (laughs) So, okay. I think the next thing I love the most about my husband is how passionate he is. He will pick something or even pick someone and just gives that all of his attention will learn everything he can about it and it becomes 
Like, almost to the point where it becomes an obsession, but he's very passionate and intentional with the things that he chooses to focus his time on. And I see this with his guitars, his music, his computers, like his job. If he wants something, he will get it. He will do it because he's so passionate about it. He's also super duper passionate about like us, our relationship. He has been the most supportive person I've like ever like, well, of course, the most supportive person I've ever met. That's why I'm married to him. But just the way that the way I have changed over time and the fact that every single time I'm like, you know what? I'm thinking about doing this. Do it. Do it. Like when like out of nowhere, I was like, you know what? I'm going to go vegan. Do it. I'll go vegetarian with you. Like all of, like, you know what? I want to be more serious about working out. Let's build a home gym. Let's do it. Oh, you know what? Um, I really, you know what? Michael and I are thinking about starting a D&D podcast. Take over that extra room. Paint it. Get whatever you need. Like host host the the games every every week and I'll be super quiet for four hours every week. Like just the amount of support and passion he puts into the things he cares about is like awesome. And I wish... Sometimes that I could give that level of passion to things. I think you do. I think you just do it in a... And I I feel like Mondo, like like Chris, things come out almost like a shotgun. It's a yes. scatter of, I'm getting everything that I can. And I don't know, sometimes I, I feel like you're more of like, it's pinpointed accuracy of, mm-hmm. I'm focusing in on this one task because I need to get good at this. Yes. I'm, I'm tackling something. Chris has the, what I love, uh, anytime I see a TikTok video about gay audacity, (laughs) that is my husband. He, the amount of times that I go and I'll present and I'll be like out of state doing something and I'm gone for a couple weeks and I come back. The first thing I do is I get in the house and I take a tour to see what's new, what's been built, what's been destroyed because, I mean, new furniture will randomly show up. He'll change everything, the cabinetry, he'll paint stuff. But then every now and then he gets this itch where he saw something and said, I have no training, but I'm going to go buy all the tools and I will figure this out. And they'll be molding in geometric patterns on our walls because he has no fear. If he gets it wrong, he'll do it again. Mm -hmm. Whereas if I don't know how to do it, it's not getting done (laughs) until I learn how to do it. But that could be years. So (laughs) his dedication is, it's immense. Mm -hmm. Props out to you, bub. How many are we doing? That's it. I, I okay, feel like that's good okay. for us today. I think that's good too. That that was really sweet. Oh, I know. We talking. rarely get to have a little I know. happy moment at the end of our, our episode. No, it was really sweet to hear us talk about our significant others. Like we I because we talk about them so often, I feel like it's very rare we have very poignant conversations where we're specifically just kind of doting on them. You know what our common thread, though, is with the two of them? Hmm. You were talking earlier about how you had your D&D room. As we currently sit in my nerd room, <laughs> that is decked out with nerd regalia because of him. Uh, so this is actually the room where we play mm-hmm. D&D and uh, where we've kind of built 
uh, our last few campaigns. So once again, check out D&D uh, Dungeons & Dragons if you uh, are interested. Find your own gaming crew. And honestly, I would say just find things that make you happy. Find people that make you happy and empower you. And also uh, find us next week or whenever we do our next episode of Notably Niche. <laughs>